Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at Amber and BJ. Today on the podcast, I spoke to the wonderful Alison Izzy, who's the co-founder and director at The Storytellers. Stories are how we connect as humans, and they always have been. From folklore to fairy tales, they're an important part of our lives. Alison talks about how they can be used in business in order to create change, motivate employees and cement a culture. She also talks about how storytelling can be used in social movements. Here's that conversation. So thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your career, please? Yes. um, Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I am one of the uh, co-founders and directors of The Storytellers. Um, I started actually, my my career started in uh, PR and marketing. So it was very much about, um, I suppose, yeah, selling stories has always been uh, part of my life. Uh, And uh, I went through that part of my career, worked um, with my current business partner, who is our chief executive, uh, for a while on, um, he, he had a show production company, and that's really where the idea of um, this storytelling was born. Um, is you know what are we actually doing here? We're telling a story to engage and influence and really strike deep into the hearts of of people's emo- you know their emotions, um, and then from that the storytellers. Uh, came about and we've been doing that for the last 18 years. Could you tell me a little bit more about how the kind of company came about in the process? So there were four of us who came together uh, serendipitously uh, and uh, we all came from different backgrounds but we all knew that there was a more effective way of bringing strategy, vision, change to life for employees of very large, very complex organizations. And these are the biggest corporations uh, out there where, you know, you have a very disparate workforce. They are often scattered all over the world. Uh, They have very different functions and um, different areas of, uh, you know, the the business to look after. And it it can be very messy. And, you know, getting out a a single message that everybody can really believe in and unite behind um, it because, in very large organisations, that message often, well, it doesn't necessarily always happen in large organisations, even in small organisations, um, that that message can be diluted or it may even be uh, like a little bit like a Chinese whisper. Uh, it might change as, as it travels through the organisation. So we wanted to find a more effective way of, of creating that really impactful uh, story of the journey that a business is on that articulates its strategy, its vision, its brand, its, you know, the change challenge that it's up against, particularly bringing to life purpose and values, uh, which are increasingly important, that social purpose, that reason for our existence. And the way to do it, we knew, was to do it through effectively telling a story, a story about our ambition for the future and a story that people could really unite behind, something that's bigger than themselves, something that's grounded in reality, but something that is articulated in a way that is 
has emotional impact because if you want people to change, you have to engage with them on an emotional level, not just a rational level. And in business, we're very good at rational because we've got email, we've got PowerPoint, we've got all sorts of wonderful tools. And we tend to kind of just talk at people and give them information and data. But really, a human being is going to respond far better if they can really empathize with um, a challenge that they feel that they're valued, that they feel that they can influence the outcome, that they can be involved, that they can actually play a part in this story. So we created a methodology um, that starts with a story, but then we equip leaders to be able to personalize that story and take it to their teams in a very personal and relevant way and invite them to participate in a company-wide conversation or a series of conversations about how are we going to play our part? You know, what is the, what is the contribution that we in our part of the business can make? And really sort of localize that message so that people feel they can connect to it. And it's not just some, you know, top line narrative that's come out of the boardroom, um, but it's something that, that speaks to the reality that they're living. And we've developed it. It's highly creative. We make our own films. We bring it to life visually because it's also about visual storytelling. Um, and it has had the most incredible impact. So that's that's how the business came about in a rather long-winded way. That's amazing. Um, and I was looking at some of your clients on your website. And yeah, you're right. It's these massive organizations that pretty much everyone will have heard of, like Hilton, British Airways, Airbus, Barclays. And I was wondering if you could give an example of the sort of impact that the storytellers has had on one of its clients. Yeah, I mean, oh, so which one to choose? That's the question. Um, it, the, the first thing I'd say is that for any leader that thinks that storytelling is just a bit of a fad. It's a bit of a nice to have. You have to kind of look at the neuroscience of what storytelling actually does to a human. Um, and it is difficult sometimes to measure intangibles like engagement, emotion, belief, attitudes, mindsets. How, how do you measure those things? Because they're, it's not like a piece of data that you can just sort of, uh, you know, create numbers from. Um, so we we measure these programs on, or our clients measure them on on two different levels. The first is on a on a on a direct program level. So you know the actual project. You know, are leaders engaged? Um, are people are they communicating this to their teams? Do people understand the strategy or the change challenge better than they did before? But you can also look at much bigger KPIs. Um, NPS scores, you can look at, you know, attrition scores because, you know, the war for talent, you, you know, a lot of businesses want to hold on to their top talent and this impacts on all of them. So there are different clients who've experienced it in different ways. Um, we worked quite recently with ADP UK, which is a HR tech um, organization, and they recorded an increase in their NPS scores, their net promoter, net promoter scores, uh, of um, an you know an increased forty eight percent increase, uh, which is you can translate that into 
pound notes. Uh, there was another client, um, and this is a more of an anecdotal uh, impact, but it was a big building society that we worked with a few years ago. And we created their story for them. We sent the story out, you know, through the leaders. We They all did the program. Um, and a few weeks later, we had a call from an individual who was probably about six six layers removed from the senior leadership team. Uh, he was a frontline um, a frontline operative. Uh, this was an IT uh, division of a very large organization, and their engagement scores have been declining. And he actually phoned us up, and he was very emotional. Uh, and he said, "You know, this story has changed my life." Uh, you know, because for the first time in 12 years, I went back to my wife and I told her what I do, why I'm proud to work there and and how what I do actually uh, makes a difference to the company. We've had other examples, Hilton, Kerry Foods, for example, where individuals have actually retracted their resignations as a direct oh. result of hearing this story. Because the story brings clarity, it brings meaning, it brings a sort of cuts through the clutter of all of that, you know, the hundreds of messages bombarding these organisations. It just creates a kind of almost like a an anchor or a North Star. And that's what, as humans, we are all crying out for, is something that we can ground and that isn't going to shift like quicksand, but we can pin all of our um, everyday activities onto it so people can make sense of it. Um, we've had other uh, companies that have reported, for example, um, big software company, uh, a 25% increase in sales. We've had logistics company, which reported um, an 11% decrease in their attrition rates. And productivity has gone up. There was a big supply chain organization um, that was actually closing down a whole number of warehouses. It meant huge change for the organization to create two central distribution centers. And it was it, it was actually going to impact on, you know, negatively in some cases. And their productivity levels went up right until the end of the um, their, you know, their existence, if you like, because that warehouse was closing down. So there are different, lots and lots of different clients that have reported, you know, significant changes in uh, their performance, the impact that it's had, but it also impacts on leadership capability and the confidence that people have in their leaders. It impacts on their understanding of why the business exists and you know where it's going and why it needs to make the changes it needs to make. So there are too many examples of you know where where this is impacted, but we know, and the, you know the chief executives of the client organisations will tell you that without the story, they just would not have achieved these kind of results. There's so much I want to pick up on your answer there, but one thing that kind of sprung to my mind is that. There's quite a lot of reports right now that say Generation Z entering the workforce are really focused on like wanting to make a difference in the world and know that the company that they work for is making a difference. Have you seen that perhaps younger generations entering the workforce care more about this, respond better, or does it impact everyone kind of the same? 
I, I think I think it definitely has. I mean, the you know, social the, the younger generation is more concerned with the social purpose of an organization, you know, its values, what it what it stands for. And customers uh, also are very concerned with what an organization stands for. It's not just employees. And a customer will withdraw its custom from a business so that it doesn't feel uh, is, you know, it has or is living up to the purpose that it may purport to uh, to um, to exist by. Um, so, yes, it definitely, definitely uh it has has an influence. The other thing is that, you know, coming out of the post-World War II era, um, you know, the the business culture, you know, you would join a business and stay there for life. But of course, the way we communicate now, the way we interact with each other is very different. We have social media, um, the tenure that an employee might have with its organization you know, does not last for life. You know, they may move on after two years, three years, or even after one year. So that need to attract the best talent and to retain the best talent so that that knowledge and that skills base doesn't just walk out of the door means that you've got to have a good story to tell. And that story will uphold or support the EVP, the Employer Value Proposition for um uh for its its talent base so that story can encapsulate all of these things its purpose its values its culture because those are the things that are going to attract people to work there and if it can uphold that promise <laughs> um then a, a, an individual is far less likely to leave the organization if they can see that that authenticity around purpose and values is is being upheld, and that it that it actually relates to their own values, their own personal values as well. So, we're seeing a lot of businesses coming to us now, uh, particularly post COVID, where that you know the the way we're working is different. There's a lot of hybrid working. There's people are still working from home. People can work for a business you know, even though they might be living in a completely different country. It's, you know, because they don't have to go into the office every single day. So the talent pool is borderless. And that means that businesses are really waking up to the need to create this really emotionally compelling narrative of who they are, why they exist, where they're going, why it's worth, you know, what the big opportunity is for them and why it's worth coming to work with them. And, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of interest in that at the moment so that people are not uh, watching mass exodus as <laughs> as, they, as uh, people walk out of their businesses um, to go to a better one that they perceive to be better because, you know, the purpose is so much more compelling. Definitely. And you can kind of skip ahead onto my next question. Um, I was actually wanting to ask you about hybrid working and how this like kind of connects with storytelling. Is there a way that the story can kind of connect people even when they're not in the office? Is it easier for this narrative to be spread when people are in a building or can it be done remotely? Well, it's it's really, it's really important. And we saw that actually as soon as 
uh, COVID uh, arrived, um, we were, uh, you know, we we had a huge number of requests to to create the story to help keep people connected. And why do I say that? As humans, we are tribal, tribal beings. You know, we we feel we need to feel a sense of belonging. We need to feel that we are valued, that we're working as a team, that we are contributing to something bigger than ourselves. And if we are working from home or we're not together in that office environment or that workplace environment, it may not be an office, it might be just a workplace environment where you can gather together and exchange those anecdotes of your day, what's happened, you know, what a customer did, the challenges that you're facing. When you don't have that that place to go to, you can feel disconnected. And that sense of belonging and that sense of um, tribal uh, coming together, if you like, um, and, and that culture that we want to so dearly uphold, that can be quite negative. It can have quite a negative impact on individuals. So if there is a story there where you can start to explain still, even though we may not be all in the same place together all of the time, we still have a really critical role to play. And you can celebrate some of the successes uh, along the line, the small stories of achievement and success and progress that feed into that meta narrative uh, where people can see that it doesn't matter where they are, they still have a very valuable role to play. And you can actually share those stories uh, through other means, through digital channels that help people feel that they are part of a movement, that they're part of you know, a, a much bigger group of, of others who are also pulling in that direction and, you know, wanting to uh, play their part. So I think in this hybrid world of working, if you haven't got a story that unites people, that pulls people together, it is going to be more risky because those individuals may feel that sense of, quite quickly might feel that sense of disconnection and it's a great way of bringing people together. And of course, we have all of the digital tools to be able to disseminate it, to be able to share contributions. Um, you don't necessarily have to be physically face-to-face. Um, I think that there are big opportunities out there, but I think leaders need to think very carefully about how they are interacting with the workforce and you know what story they need to tell and what stories they need to ask for uh, from their people. Absolutely. Kind of following on from this, I kind of want to ask you a bit of a controversial question, but um, have you ever witnessed storytelling being used in a negative way? Because obviously if you're trying to get at people's emotions, that obviously can be a very positive thing, but could it be used in a way that kind of maybe like guilts people into working longer hours in a very like negative way? Um, I don't. I don't necessarily uh, think that that a story that you're telling about the business and where it's going is necessarily going to make people sort of, as you say, guilt people into working longer hours. Um, what I would say about storytelling is that as 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 a as a human 
tribe, if you like, we have always used storytelling to maintain the status quo. The human beings do not like change. Um, They go into fight or flight mode. Is this going to harm me or is this going to help me? And they will tell stories um, to make sense of the status quo and to try and preserve the status quo. And we do that through fairy tales, through myths, through storytelling, through history. You know, there's there's all sorts of ways in which we try and uphold our culture and the status quo. So sometimes if you are asking people to change, change the way they work, they might need to change other aspects of their working lives. Um, People may revert to what you might call negative storytelling in order to avoid that change. Now, negative storytelling also has a role to play because the negative storytelling can be sort of turned on its head to be positive storytelling. But when you do have a negative story and, you know, we, we often say to our clients, you know, this story is not about a forum for gripes, you know, a forum for complaints about, you know, the way that, you know, the business is operating. But but there will be stories of things that have happened that you don't want to ever happen again. And you can turn a negative story into a positive experience by discussing what have we learned from this and how do we avoid this happening again? And I'll give you an example because many years ago, when we first started, actually, uh, we were working with uh, an organisation that produced a directory of phone numbers. Uh, it was Digital wasn't around really then. So this was a, a paper directory uh, for um, all sorts of, you know, trades, tradesmen and so on. And an individual uh, who had, you know, was putting in a, a plumber's advertisement into this directory got the phone number wrong. And of course, it only gets published once a year. So that phone number uh, wasn't going to change for another year. Meanwhile, a lady up the road was getting phone calls for a plumber (laughs) and it wasn't the right number. So that triggered a conversation, a very positive conversation, something that actually could have been perceived as a negative into how do we ensure that the ways of working mean that this never happens again, that that attention to detail, that need for accuracy. And that need for accuracy, by the way, was part of the the big story that they told. How do we make sure that that, that we're working really smartly and making sure that we have that attention to detail? And actually it turned into a positive because um, it, it, it turns into a learning experience and we can all learn and take something from a negative situation to turn it into avoiding another situation like that in the future or actually turning it into a complete positive. So there is a place for negative storytelling, but as long as you turn it into a positive learning experience, that's the main focus. Um, If it just becomes a a, a forum for complaints, um, it undermines the positivity of that main story um and i think that that comes down to the way that leaders control that conversation or steer or guide the conversation not control it but steer it uh so that you know through the right kind of questioning and the right kind of discussion 
you know, negative stories can become positive stories. I love that. Learning from mistakes is always the best way to look at them. Definitely. And, you know, I think, you know, we 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 talk to a number of clients who, you know, they they these executive teams say, you know, we shouldn't be, we should be allowed to learn to fail. Because if you if you encourage a culture where people are terrified of failing, um, it becomes very insular. People don't take risks. Uh, they you lose your innovation and that has to be discouraged that losing innovation is something that everybody wants to avoid. So I think if you can actually encourage failure in a, in a positive way, but don't make the same mistake twice, (laughs) then, then that's not acceptable. Um, But learn from it and take that learning and apply it um, is, is something which often I think leaders are a bit nervous about, but it's, it's how you maintain a collaborative culture where innovation is at its heart. One of the last things I want to ask you about is you recently wrote an article for our online blog, Ambition, um, on how social movements can inspire business success. And I was wondering if you could tell me more about this and perhaps link it back to storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I love I love this, um, uh, doing this article because... We can learn so much from social movements. You know, we have at the moment, the, uh, and it's very relevant today as we speak, um, because uh, we have um, COP26 going on. Um, the whole world is now thinking about climate change. And we have also have movements like Black Lives Matter. Um, and any any movement that can change legislation or the way people act and behave, um, that we can learn a lot from them and take those principles into business. So, for example, let's take that sort of climate change. Um, We all know that David Attenborough has been campaigning for years now um, to to change the way that we see um, uh, the, the damage that we're doing to our climate. And, and indeed, Prince Charles and the Duke of Edinburgh um, before him have been lifelong passionate advocates of um, the need to uh, change the way we um, eat, the way we farm, the way that we treat the world. And David Attenborough has really brought this to light when he, I think it was part of the Blue Planet series, when he exposed um, the damage that plastic was doing to the environment. And there are pictures of whales and turtles and fish wrapped up in fishing line and plastic and, you know, turtles trying to eat a plastic bag because they think it's a jellyfish and, you know, and sea life that has been found to have been contaminated by this plastic waste and it sparked a movement of so that meta that meta narrative about the damage that we are causing sparked a whole hundreds of thousands of stories of individuals and how they've responded to that call to action because any story needs a call to action whether it's a business story or a or a, a social story and these individuals have hundreds and thousands, millions of stories of how people are actively trying to reduce waste, 
supermarkets started charging for plastic bags, individuals, you know, have gone out and started cleaning up beaches. There, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories, small stories, about how people are making a real effort to, to reduce waste. Um, so you need to have that master narrative that can spark the hundreds of stories. So the same applies to business, where you have that arc, that overarching narrative that describes the challenge that we're on as an organisation, that call to action about how we can collectively unite to resolve the challenge. Um, And that should in turn uh, start to create these small stories of endeavour and success. And it's those small stories of endeavour and struggle that create empathy. So we empathise with individuals who talk about a story of how they how they manage to overcome a particular issue um, to, to resolve it. In addition to that, you look at the visual uh, side of storytelling. So social movements of change, and you see this in politics, you see it every, everywhere, you know, you might have a symbol or a rallying cry, um, which is a particular, whether it's a hashtag something or whether it's a, a literally a visual symbol. But those visual symbols can actually help bind us together to create that sense of belonging, that sort of sense of identity. So, again, taking that into business, you can create a rallying cry that is, becomes a drumbeat that you can apply to every message, if you like, so people can understand how it relates back to that narrative. Um, in, in any social movement of change, you have a, a load of influencers. They are not always the leaders. They are not always the people of it in authority. Um, you can look at you know people who are not necessarily leading. Greta Thunberg is a, um, an example. People who come from very different walks of life different ages, different, you know, social strata, who can be massively influential in helping get that message across, drive that change, people who can relate much better from a peer-to-peer point of view. Um, when you look at the uh, the vaccine rollout, for example, there, there has been a huge amount of scepticism and cynicism, particularly in countries where um, there are all sorts of extraordinary stories that are not necessarily true about, um, about the side effects of vaccines. Um, and it won't be the leaders of the organisation who manage to persuade those cynics. Um, it will be people of their own uh, community. Um, then there may be people who are from their own race, for example, who who can actually get the message across more effectively. So when we talk about influencers, we talk often about bottom up influencers, people who are not. This is not a leadership message coming down from the top. Um, and in business, you can create networks of influencers who can really support that leadership message, and and be the eyes and ears on the ground, the people who can actually drive it from a peer to peer level to help drive that change. And the the I mean I could go on forever, but the 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 other thing I think that is very very powerful um, is that leadership itself, the way that leaders can create that rallying cry 
and can really the inspiring leaders who can talk of you know a vision and authentically uh, role model the behaviours that are needed to to achieve that vision. And you look at Nelson Mandela, you look at Barack Obama, and there are leaders throughout history who um, Martin Luther King, in fact, you know, were, is is often quoted um, because it's the, those those leaders who can make a massive difference. But how those leaders uphold the message is absolutely vital for people to actually believe in it and see it. So that when when I was talking about social movements of change, the same principles that make those social movements of change successful and loud and impactful, those principles can be transferred into business and applied to business in exactly the same way. And that's what I'm interested in, is how can we mimic those social movements within business to create a different outcome? Thank you very much. I feel like that's a really nice place to end this, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so interesting. That's a pleasure. Well, oh, um, we're, we're so passionate about it at The Storytellers and it has achieved so many great things um, for um, many of our clients that um, we just want to spread the word. And if anybody's interested in learning more about it, we're always happy to, uh, to talk and to um, hopefully inspire, um, inspire people who maybe haven't quite uh, joined the storytelling the storytelling movement, but it really is incredibly powerful and uh, can change people's lives. Thank you so much to Alison for being on the podcast today. If you'd like to read her article entitled How Social Movements Can Inspire Business Success and loads more content, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition. And make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast.